0: Shine On, the podcast where older people share stories. My name is Valerie Wood Robinson. Season one of the podcast focuses on creativity. We meet creative older people in Leeds and find out about their lives. Today's podcast is called Educating and Entertaining. We're meeting someone who, after a business career, was drawn to the theatre, first as an impresario and then as a playwright and an actor. Brian Daniels has written countless plays, all of them with a social message. Brian tells us about his life, his work, and what inspires him. First of all, what's your connection to Leeds?
1: I was born in Leeds. I was born at Leeds Maternity Hospital in Hyde Terrace, which I think no longer exists. So I've lived in Leeds most of my life, but there was about a 15-year spell when we lived in London. And I was running the New End Theatre in Hampstead. And in fact, I owned that theatre for those years. And I was also producing in London, you know, many famous international artists. So uh, my connection to Leeds is very strong indeed.
0: Well, you've told us something about your career path there. I think even before you got involved with theatre, you had another career, didn't you?
1: Oh, I had several careers (laughs) before I was involved in theatre. Yes, yes. Well... Um, I left school when I was 16 and I went to work for a little um, recruitment agency, you would call it, um, in the late 1960s. I then started my own recruitment business when I was 18 and built it up to a four and a half million turnover business, which I then sold in 1993 to concentrate on producing theatre and film. And I worked at that time with the writer, leads writer, Kay Muller, who I'm sure your listeners will know about, um, Kay and I had a, a good and close working relationship. and We made a film together. And at that time, Kay had a play that she'd written that was on in the West End of London. It was a play called A Passionate Woman. And it was uh, starring Stephanie Cole. But it had started its life in Leeds at the Leeds uh, Playhouse, the West George Playhouse, as it was then. And one uh, afternoon, I'm sitting with Kay in a little restaurant opposite the Comedy Theatre in the West End. And her name was up in lights, and many people were going in to watch the matinee of her play. And every time somebody went in, she said to me, that's another 50p for me, another 50p for me. another <laughs> I thought, well, there must be something in this writing lot. <laughs> so, uh, and I worked out there were 600 seats in that theatre and eight performances a week, and I multiplied it by all those 50ps. And I thought, I just wonder if I should become a theatre producer. And I did. And I started... Um, Producing plays um, at all kinds of different venues, different different, different theatrical venues. Um, and then I heard that there was a theatre for sale, a small theatre for sale in Hampstead in northwest London. And to cut a long story short, I bought it and started producing. And I produced over 200 plays and musicals at the New End Theatre, um, which I had for 14 years, and eventually sold it to concentrate on full time writing in uh, 2011, I think it was.
0: Well, thank you very much for that rundown of your career path. That's very interesting. Now, I first met you in 2016 at a social function that your wife was connected with, I think, and we got talking about... that We were both interested in raising awareness about dementia um, in one way or another. And you told me about your play... Uh, Don't Leave Me Now, and that you were having a performance of it in Harrogate the next week. So I went along and saw that, and subsequently I booked it, booked the play, to be performed in Horsforth.
1: Well, I'd Uh, I'd started writing before then. The first play I wrote was about the Yorkshire Ripper, and it was a play called Where's Your Mama Gone?, And I'd happened to have read, again, this is a Leeds story, uh, Richard McCann, his mother was the first victim of the Yorkshire Ripper. She was called Wilma McCann, and she was murdered when she was 28 and left behind four children, all under the age of six, three girls and a boy, Richard being the boy. And he then wrote about their experiences after their mother's murder. Um, I read that book, and I wanted to create that into a play. So I worked with Richard And we created a play that was performed at the Leeds Carriage Works Theatre. And it then went on to be performed in London. So I kind of could breathe a great sigh of relief that I'd actually written a play and it was successful. And that gave me courage then to look at other plays, to start writing other plays. But the Dementia play that you refer to, Valerie, um, was based on a real story of a professor from Leeds uh, um, Beckett University... Called Professor Rachel Dixie, and we had known um, Rachel and her partner Irene um, some years earlier, and they were a great couple, the life and soul of the party. And I met Rachel again because she was doing some research for me, and I asked her how Irene was. Oh, she said, "Well, Irene's in a care home; she's got dementia." I said, "How can? How old is she?" She was about sixty, or even less than sixty at that time. And I asked if I could go and see Irene. She said, she won't know who you are. I said, well, how can it be somebody of that age, um, you know, won't know who I am anymore because, she, she you know, they, they were just uh, so with it as a couple. Um, but I did go and see Irene. She didn't know who I was. Um, but that inspired the idea to write a play about early onset dementia. And that's the play that I talked to you about when we first met and that subsequently we did in Horsforth, and we did it here, actually, at Chapel FM. Um, And we must have done that play 200 times all over the country, and it's been endorsed by all the major dementia organisations. But that was the first play I wrote about social care and health issues, and I've gone on to write 25 different plays around on a whole range of issues since then.
0: I've seen a couple of them that you perform at various places. I saw one in... um... A university premises, one in a church, do you normally perform in those sort of venues? Do you ever use theaters?
1: yeah, yeah, mm. we do use theaters mm. um theaters are expensive because you have to hire you know backstage crew, sound technicians, mm. and we don't need them because i rate the I write the plays so that they can be performed radio play style um and that cuts down on the marketing. Um, If I'm commissioned by an organisation to write a play, they tend to bring their own audiences with the play. But some plays um, I I have still written for audiences. Um, I was commissioned to write a play about um, historic child sexual abuse, peer-on-peer abuse and grooming, um, which was commissioned by a a major firm in London and that was launched at the Barbican and that was done as a proper stand-up play. But then we did it a couple of weeks ago because I adapted it to be performed, you know, as a as a script in hand performance, as we call these plays. And I wrote another play about two Holocaust survivors that was done in Prague and then went to Off Broadway in New York. So we had a season Off Broadway, and that was a proper play, a proper a proper performed play. But it's much easier to get work on because a writer only ever wants. Their work performed, and it 's much easier to do it um, if we do it as a script in hand, so I think radio play
0: you say proper play they 're all proper plays they are brian all proper and and what is so clever of the ones that i 've seen done script in hand is the way you create the atmosphere, and the audience doesn 't think of it being a row of five people sitting on chairs in front of them, but they visualize. All the uh, action and uh, everything ar- around the the scene, and you know, somebody coming in through the door or something. Uh, yeah. uh, it, it's so clever. It, is it a different skill to right, write right, uh, Dolly, for yes. script in hand as compared, or a radio play, should we say, as compared to a stage play?
1: It's a technique, really. It's a, it's a method of writing a play. Um, and you, you have these characters, and they all have to have an equal part. So you can't give somebody, like in any play, you can't give somebody five lines, because no actor will ever want to do it. You have to, And I think this is where my skill as a theatre producer was honed. I understand that you, you, know, you have to have an equal part for each actor to make it worth their while doing. But it's all about the words, don't you think? It's listening to the words and visualising in your own mind what those people are doing, you know, and the body language. Um, And you you can get a limited amount of body language, but you can't get any movement from a script in hand performance. So it's all got to be around those words that are used. And you're right, people do engage with the characters. And I hope all my characters are two-dimensional. But an important part of all the plays I write on health and social issues is to have a discussion afterwards where people can engage in the issues that were raised.
0: How do you choose your themes? You, uh, which social issues uh, do you want to promote or discussion about?
1: I'm usually commissioned. I mean, virtually all the plays I've written have been commissioned by organisations who have wanted a play creating on a particular aspect of health or social care. I mean, The NHS um, gives me a lot of work and I've just been asked to write five, five short plays for their inclusion, inclusion and diversity programme um, that is going out to all, all NHS staff. The NHS employ a million people. There's a lot of training. There's a lot of development. But there are also some generic issues that I write, write about. Um, Leeds Teaching Hospitals, for example, asked me to write a play about um, covert discriminatory practice and microaggression, um, because they had a large number of BAME employees who, you know, had been victims of a discriminatory practice from some of their colleagues. Another play I've written is called Beneath the White Coat, um, which was commissioned by um, a charity called Doctors in Distress, which is about the stress um, and challenges faced by particularly GPs, um, you know, in their professional practice, particularly these days and particularly since Covid. So I am commissioned um, to write plays. I've just been commissioned to write a play about encephalitis, which probably most people don't know about. But the purpose of giving me a play to write is to create awareness about a particular illness or disease. And I wrote quite a successful play about lymphedema. Again, most people probably don't know what lymphedema is. but uh, Most women who have had breast cancer will know what it is. And uh, yes, it's the lymph glands. Um, And we did that play with four actors sitting in New York, four actors sitting in the UK. And it was introduced by uh, Kathy Bates, you know, the the award-winning film star, Cause she's probably the most well-known person with the disease so she had a particular interest in it and then it was zoomed this was during lockdown it was zoomed all across the world so it's using it's using creative ways of getting messages across and because drama is something I know pretty well you know I, I, I seem to have that ability to do it
0: Two points arising from all of that. You must have to do a tremendous amount of research. I mean, you're not an expert on encephalitis until you or start lymphedema. looking on or, lymphedema. Lymphedema <laughs> no. or what it feels like to be a doctor in distress. So how do you go about the researching and does it take an awful lot of time? It
1: can, it can. I mean, the lymphedema I worked with, the uh, professor who is kind of the UK's leading expert in lymphedema, he's based at St George's Hospital in Tooting in London, and he is called Professor Peter Mortimer. And I had a, spent a lot of time with him and also with a, a writer called Gemma Levine, who had written a book about lymphedema. So, and then I spoke to a lot of people who suffered lymphedema. Um, I went across to the factory in Germany, in Munich, where they make the special bandages and, and uh, dressings um, and had a whole day seeing how they were. Um, manufactured so you know I gathered enough information about it for the play about um, GPs and stress I worked with Dame Professor Claire Gerarda um, who introduced me to a lot of different people and a lot of GPs and we launched that play at the Royal College of GPs and it's been since then it's been done at the Royal Society of Medicine and at some universities and colleges um, for their healthcare students because it's only fair that you have an understanding of what you might have to face in your professional life before you get into it. So uh, that's how that that's uh, the risk. But some of them I do I can do research online, but just talking and talking to people and going and visiting people, you know.
0: So the more you're explaining your work, Brian, it seems you're more an educator than an entertainer.
1: Uh, That's probably true. That's probably true these days. And I think that's what I really enjoy. I did originally qualify as a teacher, so there must have been a bit of a teaching um, interest within me.
0: Hmm, But a tremendous effect on a very wide range of people that you're having, which you may not have had if you'd have been standing there in a classroom.
1: I definitely wouldn't have had. No, definitely not. Uh, and it's great to have an audience that appreciates the work.
0: Well, um, so you've mentioned that your experiences of theatre producer has informed your work as a playwright. Yeah. Can you say anything about other aspects of your past life that have informed your work as a playwright?
1: Well, I have had a lot of experience producing... Sort of international stars, who I'm sure you've heard of, but lots of younger people wouldn't have heard of the likes of Eartha Kitt, Dionne Warwick, no, Elaine um, Al- Stritch, Michael Feinstein, um, Alison Moyer, Some of the younger people may know Alison Moye, but I've, I've produced uh, Gloria Gaynor. I've produced all of those people, you know, on tour and in person. Um, and you, you, you know, you understand Bruce George I'm sure people know who Paul George is. You you, you kind of talk to these people, you get to know them and you realise there's nothing very starry about the stars. But I've got lots of great anecdotes uh, about those people and some others. Shirley Shirley Bassey, that's another That's another another programme, Brian,
0: yes. (laughs) Yes. Uh, So what motivates you to go on writing new plays?
1: Well, I'm just driven to do it. I mean, I you know, my wife says, "Why don't you retire? You should retire. You don't need to." Work. But I just have to, you know, get up and do something. And every story is so interesting because you go in this orbit for a while. You know, the orbit of lymphedema, the orbit of encephalitis. You know, you know, you know, the orbit of uh, younger male suicides. You know, all of which I've written about. And you kind of go into that world and you learn so much about it and so much about society. You know, older people, um, and mental health, you know, all of them have become plays. And uh, I just love it, really. And I perform in most of them. Cause, because I think, well, write a part for yourself, Brian. You know, you may as well. You don't have to learn it. You can read it from the script. <laughs> so. So you always find there's a, a kind of a middle-aged or older man in in in, in all of these plays.
0: Well, that's another question. You, you don't have a regular uh, company of cast, do you? How do you cast your plays? Well,
1: we we, we, we do have quite a big um, company, and we call on them when we need them. Mm. So, and because they don't have to learn it, they don't have to spend three weeks rehearsing. If anybody is, is an experienced actor, then. You know, we, we just do a couple of hours rehearsing before the play. But there are some some of the actors we use time and time and time again. And, and they're great and we get to know each other.
0: So where to next? I mean, is your wife going to prevail and get you to retire?
1: Um, I think she knows I won't retire. I really don't want to retire. But, you know, while I've got the health and the energy and the enthusiasm, I don't see why I should. But, um, you know, there, there, there is uh, Elaine Stritch, was who, who a very famous American comedian. Um, I produced her show in London. And her first joke of the evening was, as the prostitute said, it's not the work, it's the stairs. And sometimes I feel <laughs> like that because I feel getting to a place, because, I mean, we do them all over the country. I feel like getting to the place is much harder than actually doing the play there. But... Um, but I, I now have somebody who drives who, who drives for me and and kind of takes that burden away, and uh, I just love it really. I mean, last week we did Birmingham Medical School, we did a play at Birmingham Medical School, and we did a hospice in Luton, which you know both of which were quite long journeys from Leeds there and back in the day, but you you, you do get a feeling of satisfaction.
0: Well, it's been a great privilege to. Interview such an inspiring person, Brian. I I mean, I'm
1: blushing, I'm blushing
0: now. I I, I knew a lot about your work and I've seen your work, and as I say, I've vaguely known you for many years, but uh, I've learned a lot from this chat today. If you enjoyed this, there are more Shine On podcasts to listen to. You can subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere where you get your podcasts. You can find more delights on our website. Stories, podcasts, articles, interviews, and features by and about fascinating older people in Leeds and Yorkshire. Go to www.theshinemag.com If you have an idea for a podcast, or would like to join the storytelling team, contact us at podcasts at theshinemag.com Shine On is brought to you by the makers of Shine magazine with support from Chapel FM. Season 1 is funded by Leeds Inspired.